Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of UJ Sports Live. My name is Rodney DeBolsey. I'm joined by Dane Young and Jim Donnan. Dane Young is our producer slash uh, third wheel around here. And of course, Jim Donnan is the uh, reason everyone is tuned in. He's the former Georgia Bulldogs uh, Hall of Fame coach. And we appreciate the fact that he joins us every Tuesday at noon. It means a lot to us. I know he's busy playing golf and uh, playing pickleball and tennis and uh, Running track and doing all the other stuff. He's not old enough to play pickleball. Don't be throwing don't that play, out there. I don't play pickleball or <laughs> golf anymore. So anyway, uh, we, we do appreciate Coach joining us, and we know that's why you join us, and we also appreciate you, and we appreciate our sponsors, and we'll mention them later on in the show. Uh, Coach, I want to get your takes on uh, the topics du jour. There's some guys playing former Georgia Bulldogs playing the Super Bowl this weekend, and I know Dane's going to be betting uh, probably five, six figures on the Super Bowl outcomes. Whatever Dane, you pay uh, me. <laughs> yeah. So, Nate, uh, give me the guys that are in it, and let's get Coach's take on Yeah, four Bulldogs in the Super Bowl. Doesn't mean they're all going to play, but just on the roster. So, Coach, I thought it may be a fun way to start the show. You've been around these guys, especially the ones that, that have been around for, I mean, now the whole Kirby Smart era. So, I kind of wanted to go play by a player and just get – your initial reaction to them as players, as people, whatever story comes to mind. And we'll start with the Chiefs and uh, start with Miko Hardman. Yeah, hey, uh, just been a tough year for him, you know, having a leg injury and uh, trying to come back and then hurt it again. I don't really know. Uh, he, he, you know, he might try to go. But uh, Miko, just a very unselfish player here, uh, very talented, you know, could have played defensive back. Uh, they moved into receiver. Uh, I know we'll forget uh, getting ready for that game against Alabama when uh, Cheney put in the uh, zone read on the goal line and Miko was eating our defense up. And I kept yelling at him. We didn't have to watch it long, but I kept yelling out, run the zone read with Miko. <laughs> and finally they did. And, you know, uh, he was such a great player in high school over at Elberton. I mean, unbelievable how good he was running the uh, wishbone and the offense over there. And they played my grandson's team uh, from Oconee in, in uh, late season there. I mean, it might have been an early playoff game. And, you know, there's just no way we're going to stop him. I'm talking about he's going to run rampant. And we had the biggest quagmire. That was before they had the field. The biggest quagmire that's ever been out there. And uh, he couldn't even get out of his own. You know, it was just so slow to feel. And that was a great equalizer, and we were able to win and always kidded him about that Oconee beat him. But uh, he, he was uh, – and the other thing – That was a miserable game. I know that game, Coach. It was horrible. Another thing for the people that want to bash Jeremy Pruitt, the day that Kirby Smart got the job, I was over there uh, at the facility, and I was talking to to uh, Jeremy, and, I, you know, he said he and Kirby – went back a long ways and they've been friends forever. He actually took Mary Beth to the hospital when, it, when she had the twins over there, Kirby was on the road. And he said, you know, there's no way that Kirby can hire me after I've been here and everything. He said, I know he's not going to, but he said, I'll tell you one thing, I'm going to make sure if there's any way we that Georgia gets Miko Harmon, I'm not going to mess with him. Uh, he needs to come to Georgia. That's where he wants to come. And I really respected that. I mean, he, he was in tight with that kid. I mean, he was over at his church the day before. And uh, that showed me a lot of, of, you know, the fact that he was told that kid, hey, you need to come to Georgia. So that's – Hang on, Coach. Hang on. You saying there's, that Jeremy Pruitt has a good side? Because if you read the dog, man, he's evil. Well, I'm 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 saying that – That's a great I story. I want to bring out that point about – that. Yeah. He was a big reason that Miko came here. I mean, he recruited yeah. him, and uh, he, recruit him. he could have had a hard, made it hard on George at that time. But you know, if he put the hammer down, I don't think that the kid would have probably gone to Alabama. Who knows? But I, I do give. I, I thought that was very good that that Jeremy mentioned that, and uh, people kid about Jeremy being slow talker and all. I can just tell you one thing: he is a brilliant football tactician. And I know football. I've been around guys. I've talked ball with a lot of guys. And I guarantee you, he, he knows as much as anybody that's ever been in that butt smear building. Anybody. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's had his problems. And who knows what's going to happen from here. But uh, that, that's enough about him. But also, uh, Malik Herring, 
Well, uh, well, Coach, before you go to Malik, I wanted to – didn't Andy Reid reach out to you? Do I have this right that he reached out asking about Miko just to, to see what he could do speed? Oh, yeah, he was, he, was, he was asking about his catching skills, you know, because he didn't catch that many passes here. But, uh, you know, of course we had Godwin and uh, and the other guy uh, that had the brother. Uh, Ridley, Riley Ridley. Ridley. So he didn't get as many balls, but uh, – but, you know, I said, hey, if he just returns punts, he's worth it, you know. But he, he didn't take him because I, I said so. But uh, sure I'm is. still mad at him that he didn't draft, uh, you know, the kid that went to Detroit. Uh, I thought he was going to take him. He took Edward Solaire from uh, uh, LSU instead of Swift. But I, I kidded him about that. But And then this summer, uh, I was I had a text from Andy said, look, hey, I know you'll be happy Malik Herring is hung in there. And everybody knows on our board that he played in the Senior Bowl, Tories ACL or MCL, and just terrible injury right before the draft, I mean, right before the combine. And they, they still drafted him, and he was on the practice squad. And then this year, he worked his way back in the lineup, and Andy sent me a text that, hey, Malik's going to be, be a big part of our team, and he's going to help us. And I, I know you'll be happy to hear that. And I was, and, uh, you know, just a good team guy, really good team guy. There was that one year me and Brent Rollins were doing off-season content, and it just snuck up on me that the previous season, I think it was Malik's junior year, he was the highest-rated Georgia player based on PFF grades. So he was just very consistent. Yeah, he's a good example of guys that Kirby had in the program under the other coaches, and – continue to develop them and another guy that Trey Scott did a good job with over on the Eagle side a couple of uh, rookies starting with I mean right when I came on with UGA sports I think that was when you were telling us about this guy from North Carolina named Jordan Davis and then the story kind of began being written from there at least from my perspective yeah I mean uh, they Jordan and Channing Tindall were here for like uh watching the, the, the bowl workouts and uh, uh, I knew that he was from Charlotte. And, you know, as I've told y'all, I, I moved to Charlotte. My, uh, my parents did. I never lived there, but my dad was with Wachovia and he was transferred my senior year in college. And uh, I told him that I was from Charlotte and Hey, I'm looking forward to you coming down. And he was just so outgoing and just very uh, friendly looking in the eye. And then I, Channing Tindall being from uh, Columbia, I told him that my uh, – I'm trying to use all these get you know get acquainted with them deals yeah. about who I know, but I told him that my uh, brother-in-law lived in, and, uh, lived in uh, Columbia and, uh, you know, I didn't like South Carolina that much, uh, the university, <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad he was coming. And I said, I've seen your tape, and I said, we, we don't have any linebackers here except that Roquan Smith that can run like you. And he proved that the way he ran. And he, he took him a little while to learn the system. And he kind of blast, you know, uh, came in there a little bit later and started to develop it. But really, he had N'Kobe, who who's playing in the game, and uh, uh, and Quay Walker. I mean, good Lord, Quay Walker just had it unbelievable. I think he made the all-rookie team this year. More about Nakobe because he's the other the player in there. I mean, one of the better Georgia careers I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, uh, both Landing and uh, Schumann did a good job on him getting him here. You know, you, you get a guy out of, I think Mississippi, like he was a player, Lake Mississippi. And, uh, his mother was sold on Kirby and the academics, and uh, you know, he just a very good student on top of everything. Just a real leader and uh, very. Uh, one of the fastest guys you could ever have at linebacker, but also very cerebral. And, uh, you know, he's doing a good job playing in some nickel packages and doing a plan on the special teams and all. But, uh, hey, how about those guys going right from uh, national championship to playing in the Super Bowl? It's got to be a big thrill. And then the other guy that's in the game that uh, just very proud of, Andy Hill, was a wide receiver for me at uh, Missouri and a coach at Missouri for a long time. And then the last four years, he's been on the staff for the Chiefs as assistant special teams coach. And uh, he's uh, he's going to be coaching his last game. He's 61, so he's going to retire, move to Montana, and do a lot of fishing. That's what he said. 
Coach, do you have any specific Super Bowl stories just with all – I mean, obviously the one that comes to mind, I would think that you have to have some fun conversations with Barry Switzer with Cowboys. I I tell you, the best Super Bowl story I got was the uh, – excuse me, the – yeah, it was was the Patriots uh, back when Parcells was coaching. They were playing against Brett Favre down in – Green Bay was playing in New Orleans, and uh, my daughter Tammy was down there. And back in the old days, uh, when I was coaching at Florida State, Tammy was a friend with uh, Parcell's daughter and everything like that. And Tammy wanted to go to the game. And I said, I don't know how to get in touch with him. I said, you know, uh, they got all that security and everything. I don't even know what hotel they're staying in. She said, well, they're practicing out at Tulane. So I said, hey, I'm going to take a lark here. So I called up uh, Chris Selfo's brother who uh, makes those – cakes for the uh you know for the mardi gras he makes king stuff. cakes yeah he's a he's a good good at stuff like that and uh, you know he owns that bakery but he's a big two-lane guy and i said look are, are you gonna be over there going past over near Tulane today and he said yeah I, i'm i'm i i can go by there i said how about going over there to practice and walking up to bill parcells and said jim don wants to know if you can get his daughter two tickets to the super bowl <laughs> And he said, "Are you serious?" I said, "Yeah, he'll. You won't have any trouble. He'll. He'll do it if he can." And I man, it was a lark, man. And so he, uh, oh, you know, he's got brass balls anyhow. He mean himself. He's a cell phone. Everybody that's on our site knows what a great recruiter Chris yeah. was. And so uh, he goes over there. Everybody Tulane knows him because he's a big Tulane supporter. So he, he didn't have any trouble. Okay, guy, come on. He, he didn't have any trouble getting on the field. And he went walked up to Parcells and said, "Look." I'm a friend of Jim Donnan and said he and he said his daughter wants to come to the Super Bowl and he said which one is it Tammy or Paige and uh, <laughs> and uh, and he says Tammy and he said okay I'll I'll do it and he gave the situation so she got two tickets and got to go to the Super Bowl. Would he have not done it if it was Paige? Oh yeah, he just wanted to, he just wanted to prove that he knew their name. I know, I just could have done it for either one, but. Pretty pretty good deal though. I mean, uh, that's that's a story that that I like. And then uh, the power of the king cake in New Orleans. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I can't really. Uh, Chris used to used to say that uh, the one thing that his brother hoped for every year, and I said, "What's that?" He said, "A flood, so they could get the insurance and buy and redo their place every year." So, uh, but that, I think that's a little illegal. But he liked those floods. <laughs> Oh, that's, I, I, I remember talking to Jordan Davis after his freshman year. We was um, in the locker room. You got the big, uh, the, the open locker room where you can go talk to everybody for like 20 minutes. And that's always a big deal for us because we get to talk to players we don't get to speak to ever. And, he, you know, of course, the freshmen were off limits. And we found out that, you know, um, a few weeks at the towards the end of the season when uh, uh, Jordan Davis was kind of coming on. Everyone's talking about this freshman, and how strong he is. We found out he'd hurt his back lifting and went in and said, Hey, how you feeling? Oh, I'm fine. I was like, Well, are you going to be ready for spring? Yeah, I'm ready for spring. You know, that's kind of sore. And then he's telling us about the amount of weight he was doing. I'm like, well, Of course you hurt your back, you moron. That's a ridiculous amount of weight he was lifting. He's like, Yeah, they want me to tone it down a little bit. And then I always feel like uh, before the Clemson game, when I picked Clemson to beat Georgia in the opening season, I said that, uh, you know, Georgia defense is good, but, man, losing Roquan is tough. And, you know, the Kobe Dean is no Roquan. <laughs> they both win the Buckus Awards. So I'm like, damn it, I can't. I'm, all, I'm wrong all over the place. But I'm really excited for those guys, you know, because Jordan Davis and uh, Kobe are such big Georgia guys. I mean, as Coach, you use the Turnbull stand on the table for somebody. These are guys – that's why you saw Jordan Davis standing up in front of the national championship celebration, taking off a shirt, showing the Braves thing underneath. This is a guy – he's from North Carolina, but he loves Georgia. He loves the Braves. He loves his school. He's They're two fantastic ambassadors. And then you get Miko Hardman, who's an absolutely another guy who will, you know, put wear the Georgia G everywhere he goes. Uh, I think there was a comment about him wearing the G more than he does his, uh, his team gear. And, of course, Malik Herring, just an absolute wonderful kid. You know, he, another guy who – worked hard to recruit for Georgia. So I don't want to say it's karma, but the guys who loved Georgia the most, four of them playing in the uh, Super Bowl, if you're a Georgia fan and you don't, and you don't care about the outcome of the game, like I don't care who wins, 
you got to love that those are the guys that made it. Not taking a shot at anybody else who's not on the team or who's in the NFL, but these are the guys, those four, absolutely stand on the table, work hard for Georgia, talk about Georgia nonstop. We'll sell Georgia to any recruit, anybody in the nation. If they do a radio show, they're going to tell you how much they love Georgia. Uh, So I just think the Bulldog Nation lucked out that those are the guys that made it. And, Coach, look at the streak Georgia's had. Of guy of a Georgia player being in the Super Bowl over yeah, two days. I mean, that's that's always indicative of a, you have a successful program. You got guys playing in the pros, but also winning in the pros. Because with free agency now, it's hard to repeat, and uh, you know your team just changes its uh, roster every year because of uh, guys getting uh, new contracts or getting a chance to sign for uh, in free agency. So. Uh, the fact that Kansas City's had this kind of run in the AFC East has been remarkable, but but there's pretty good to know they got a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes too. So uh, he's been a real good, and I think Hertz is going to be the same. You look at the trend, mobile quarterbacks that can move around, run these RPOs. That that seems to be the way that the pros are going. But the one thing I would mention about Jordan too is what Kirby always preaches that you know and why he works the threes in practice maybe a little bit more than just uh, the ones and twos is to give these guys encouragement that, Hey, we're looking at you and we're not going to give up on you. And we're not going to wait till, you know, spring practice to, to figure out what you can do. We want, we, we want you to come down here and work against our best guys and get better. And uh, you know, it's tough on an offensive lineman uh, when you got a 350 pound guy down there, even if he's not, in great shape uh, to be banging on you every day. And, and our coaches noticed that Pittman told uh, Kirby about, Hey, this guy is massive. He's hard to move, you know, and they started looking at him and then all of a sudden they put him in certain situations. I remember going into Florida game his freshman year, just jacking that center oh, up. Yeah. And God, I told, rude. I, I told, uh, I remember one of those scout team, I mean, excuse me, one of those assistant, uh, uh, guys on the uh, strength staff was talking about, uh, you know, I was asking him, I said, you think Davis is going to be able to go? Uh, he was hurt the next year when they're playing. He said, i tell you one thing. He said, that center for Florida hopes he doesn't go. He said he beat his ass in the submission last year. <laughs> and you watch the tape, he just killed that guy. So uh, he, he, he really likes to, you know, jack people up. And uh, he's very, very good with his mobility too. I mean, Look at all those sideline plays he made chasing the ball down. But it's always good to see your older guy, you know, guys in the pros doing well. And uh, we certainly got plenty of them. And we're getting ready to get some more based on the draft, the way it looks. We're going to have a good, another good draft. And included in that Super Bowl streak, too, a lot of Bulldogs that shined at that Super Bowl stage that you coached. Coach Donnan with Heinz Ward and Richard Seymour and Jermaine Wiggins. I mean, those early 2000s are littered with guys that you coached at Georgia. Yeah, I, I noticed when Tom Brady retired this week, uh, I noticed a tweet, or maybe it was on Facebook. I can't remember. I don't look at too many things. But Patrick Pass was talking about, hey, congratulations to the greatest that ever played. And, you know, everybody remembers Patrick more for what he did in the pros than when he did in uh, college. But uh, in his defense, Dr. Butch Mulherin, who was our team orthopedic surgeon and who's still uh, uh, very active around, the, you know, he's out at the Presbyterian rest home now. And he's, he, he does a good job out there keeping everybody happy. But he told me that Patrick Pass had the worst case of turf toe that he'd ever seen. Wasn't anybody even close. And it bothered him. You know, everybody – talked about he wasn't very tough and he didn't do all this, but let me tell you something. We had some backs. I mean, you know, Robert Edwards, Alandis Gary, uh, those guys could play and Patrick Pass was just like him, but he just was always bothered with that toe. And uh, I told Belichick, I said, this guy can play special teams. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And uh, he he had a great career for him and uh, got, I think either two or three Super Bowl rings and Jermaine Wiggins, Another guy that transferred here from Marshall played on that one first Super Bowl, I think, and uh, even more prevalent for him as he is from Boston and be able to play for for the New England Patriots and win a Super Bowl. Uh, that was awesome. 
Uh, we got a lot more NFL talk. We'll talk about the NFL maybe coming after Todd Monk. But first, I want to mention some of our uh, couple of our sponsors. I want to mention our friends at uh, Your Pie. Today is Tuesday, and I always I wait too long in the show. Maybe too many people have ordered lunch. But if you have your chance, swing go to the Your Pie app, call them up, uh, order your pizza, order your lineage, order the uh, hot honey pepperoni, the buffalo chicken, the great white, any of their fantastic pizzas they have, or just make your own. When you're in the app, you can tell it what crust you want, what sauce you want, what cheese you want. Just put as many toppings on it as, as humanly possible or whichever ones you like. And then uh, you can either have it delivered or you can swing by and pick it up. Or you can just say, hey, look, I'm going to eat in. So do that and you'll get you get points on the Your Pie app. And those points turn into free pizzas, free breadsticks, free gelato, free brownies, free drinks. Uh, they add up really quickly, especially if you do it on Tuesday when she, on Tuesdays, you get double points. So hit up our friends at your pie, 70 plus locations, uh, huge supporters of the Bulldogs, uh, Drew and Natalie French. Hit them up when you get a chance. They'll absolutely, you'll, you'll absolutely love it. Yeah, I want to mention one thing. Uh, you know, I told you a couple of years ago, I saw Drew and Natalie out at the uh, tennis when they were having, a, you know, the, the women's tennis were playing or the men, I don't remember, but had their little girls there and they were watching. I saw, uh, in the uh, club report, they send out this little uh, flyer every week, every month. His daughter won a championship out there in a certain age group girls thing. So congratulations there. So it goes to show you start them out early. They do well. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. Uh, is there anything like, uh, I won't, I don't want to make fun of Drew, but yeah, I will. If they're like their mother, they're going to be great athletes. So we'll tease Drew about that. Uh, speaking of great athletes, I want to mention uh, My Perfect Franchise. They have a fantastic former athlete on staff. Their name is Brandon Beachy. You'll remember him as a Braves pitcher. And what he's pitching now is help for you if you were trying to change your career trajectory, i.e. if you want to get out of the rat race, if you want to do something new, you want a guaranteed income stream, you want to diversify your income, you just want to get away from – punching a clock and working for somebody else. You want to work for yourself. It's tough to go into franchising and know what the heck's out there. There's, and it's not all like I thought of the franchises. I only thought of restaurants. I didn't think of all the other ones that are out there. Well, there's 3000 different options in the franchise world. Some require a lot of money. Some do not. Some require a ton of time. Some do not. So reach out to former Bulldog, uh, former Braves pitcher, Brandon Beachy, he can help you out. Of course, you know, the guy that started the whole thing, Andy Ludecky, he too can help you out. It's free for you. So go to myperfectfranchise.net. It's very simple. Hit them up and they will take good care of you. Okay. We're talking a little bit about the NFL and the Super Bowl. Uh, Coach, there's still a lot of uh, hot and heavy rumors about Todd Munkin going back to the NFL. He took, uh, he was interviewed by Tampa. He was interviewed by Baltimore. And I, I mean, there's other jobs that are still open. I, I'm not saying that he's dying to go back that way, but he's the number one offensive coordinator in the country right now. He's won two national championships. He's been in the NFL before. So it makes sense if you, you know, when the Arizona Cardinals hire a new head coach, maybe if that guy's a defensive guy, maybe he looks at him. Maybe if uh, somebody hires a New York Giants offensive coordinator, away, then they have an opening. In other words, we, the question came up on the dog event the other day. When will we know about Todd Munkin? I'm like, when all the jobs are filled, that's there's no other way to really know because he's not going to put out an announcement. He, you know, they don't do that. But he's going to get yeah, – he'd be a moron not to take the call. Yeah, I think uh, just the situation is such that uh, you always read about different people uh, saying things, and, and he has a background in the pros, so I, I don't have any knowledge of what – his thought process is, but uh, nobody does. The the deal is that uh, you know, as long as he's looking at these things, then uh, there's a chance that he might. You know, last week I said I didn't think he would go. Uh, I, you know, and I was basing more on the 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 Tampa situation. I didn't know that he was getting ready to go back for a second interview with uh, the first one. I think was maybe Zoom with the Ravens, but. Uh, you know, based on the guys that the Ravens are looking at, I, I mean, it's no comparison to what Todd brings to the table. I mean, talking to Bobby Ingram, who was a receiver coach there for the Ravens, and then he went to the Wisconsin last year, and then Wisconsin got fired. I think he's really out of a job right now. And then they're talking about the guy Canales from the uh, Seahawks, who's a quarterback coach, and never called plays. Uh, oh, wow. And uh, I, I don't know who the other ones are, but uh, we'll see. 
but uh, all we can do is just wait, wait around and uh, just see what uh, what happens. But I do know that if you look at Kirby's MO, he's done a really good job of replacing every coach he'd ever left here. So I'm not too concerned about uh, uh, as much as I'd hate for Dodd to leave. I think Kirby uh, certainly has an attractive position for anybody that would like to, you know, look at it. Or he's, he's also got Mike and these other guys here that can move right in and uh, take over. So uh, personnel-wise, we're in pretty good shape here for any coach that would be in there. I mean, it's pretty remarkable on February 7th that the back-to-back national champions at the moment, this far into what's, I mean, we're closing on spring ball here in what, five weeks. Like, to this point, Georgia's returning all of its coaches, and that's almost unheard of. Now, will it stay that way? I guess we'll find out, but that level of stability is interesting. That's a good point, Dane, but I think we almost had a complete upheaval last year with four new coaches, so uh, it's not as hard to rationalize that with the four changing as it would be if uh you know to go two straight years without it would be unbelievable but uh, if you're winning and uh, and people are looking at looking for guys that uh, know what it takes and uh, you always want all conference players and you want all conference coaches you want a guy that's among the best coaches in your league at his position and uh, we certainly got those in, in the coaches we got here. Let me ask you this, Coach. When you look at what the Tampa guy was making, I think he was making like $3.5 million as an offensive coordinator. That's just a number I throw around. I can't confirm it. But the NFL coaches make a lot of money. College coaches make a ton. The, the assistants make pretty good money. Uh, Todd Monk is one of the highest paid guys in the nation as an assistant coach. He's got a three-year deal. It's going to pay him like $2.1, $2.2 million. But that's still a million and a half less than what an offensive coordinator at Tampa was getting. Would Georgia, in your opinions, go up to $3 million, $3.5 million for an offense? No, that's hard for me to to really answer. I do do know that one thing that really caught my attention was, uh, you know, Miami had some issues with their defense last year, uh, Minnesota. Uh, they just hired a new Minnesota. Just hired Flores from uh, from the uh, Steelers, but uh, you know the guy went to Miami and he was a pre- big Fangio. He was a previous head coach at uh, uh, at Denver, and they didn't do very well offensively. And then they brought in a new guy and fired him after twelve games. But Fangio went to the Dolphins for four and a half million dollars as a defensive coordinator, which is unbelievable. Uh, how much? Yeah, he's a deep 4.5 million. And uh, so, I mean, it's no big deal for those pro guys to do it. But as far as answering here, I think one thing you always got to be aware of as the head coach is the structure of your uh, staff and being fair to everybody and how you allocate the uh, pot there. So, to to have guys that have been as good as Muschamp and Bobo and Del McGee and all those guys, uh, and the, to pay somebody two times more than what you're paying him, uh, you know, it'd have to be Kirby's call. I mean, that, that, that's, that would be the situation. Or sometimes you just move them up close to that so you can do it. So, uh, but you gotta, you gotta look at your staff too. I mean, uh, and uh, staff-wise, though, a head coach can't get too worried about how a, a guy feels. But at the same time, you, you got to be worried about it a little bit too. So you got to be fair to your staff. So uh, for for one guy to be making three times more than anybody else, that's a pretty big deal. And you're already making. I mean, I'm thinking the two million dollars is probably four to five times what. Uzo Deribe's making, or you know, uh, Fran Brown, something like that. I can't imagine them yeah. making one point two or one one and a half million a year. And then if all of a sudden you take him and make him three, and they're like, "Wait a minute, what am I chopped liver?" Yeah, but I would, I would. Say I didn't even think about that. I would say this on their account here. I mean, these guys were coaching at Rutgers and uh, and at uh, TCU last year, so they they haven't they they don't have quite a, the uh, stuff in there uh, that that Munkin does on his – I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here a little bit. No, it makes perfect sense. You, you can't be a guy at $3 million. I think, I think you got maybe look for more of the veteran guys like 
Muschamp and Dale McGee. And, uh, you know, it's like Stacy Searles last year. Uh, he came in here at uh, like 500,000, but uh, he was glad to get on here. I'm sure he'll give a good bump. Hartley was a outstanding recruiter that did everything, but because he's coaching the tight ends, his salary is not as big as a, say, coordinator or a special, uh, like, you know, uh, offensive backfield or quarterback coach. So it, you just got to look at the whole deal. But our coaches are paid good, and but they're delivering too. But the thing that helps them are these bonuses they get at the end of the year, you know, uh, based on performance. And uh, all of our guys got, got nice bonuses based on the way we won. It's funny because there's, I think there's two factors happening with like coaching money right now. Because one, I think a market correction may be happening to where, well, it, is Jimbo and that guaranteed money really worth that? But then at the same time, he's one of the few coaches that have won a national championship and the media dollars keep going up. So those two things happening at the same time, it's, it's pretty interesting to see how it lands. Sure, that's a good point. I mean, SEC is getting ready to get a windfall from ESPN when they take over this new deal. I mean, it's going to be like $100 million uh, when they go to this. Uh, before they even go to the 12-team playoff, you're going to have the uh, ESPN taking over the SEC from CBS, and that's a big, big windfall. And then you add the uh, – when you go to the big 12 – big, I mean, to the 12-team playoff, you're going to have – Hundred million every school in the SEC over a hundred million dollars wow. from TV and uh, SEC uh, rights. So that, that'll be. And what's good about that is, as good as it is for football, it's great for gymnastics, swimming, tennis. Uh, hey, these tennis teams they want to go down to Miami and play in a tournament. These gymnastics teams they want to go to Fort Worth for a fourplex. I mean, and you can't do that if you don't have the money coming in from uh, to pay for all that stuff you want to be competitive and and uh and travel right and do all the things you got to do uh you got to have financial uh, uh wherewithal to make it happen and that's what these big contracts help out on from the media side of it one of the things that i was a little bummed to see just as a fan of sec football is that todd blackledge would not be part of that coverage on espn because he's moving over to nbc and i've always thought todd blackledge did a great job as an analyst in a game Todd Black is a real pro. He does his homework. Uh, he was doing CBS before he did ESPN, so he used to come here and do our games uh, back in, you know, 96, 97, like that. And just really good guy for uh, doing his homework. I always was impressed. You know, they, they say, well, boy, you know, you got to go talk to these analysts. Hey, I didn't mind talking to an analyst that would come in there early and watch us practice and get to know the players and do all that as compared to some guy coming in just for a few minutes. And uh, I've told the story about Jim Nance when he was the uh, advanced man for Brent Musburger back in 85 when I was coaching at, at uh, Oklahoma. And Nance said, hey, uh, and that's the first time I ever met him. And he said, hey, Brent's going to come in here and want to tell you how to run the wishbone. So the best thing for you to do is just let him talk for five minutes and he'll be out of here. He said, if you start, if you start to let him ask a lot of questions, it's going to be tough. So, but he had it set, but Brent was great, but he, he liked to tell you what he knew. That's for sure. But I always thought Todd Black was a real pro and it's going to be a good break for him. I mean, he's like anybody. He's like bear, you know, we've had bear on our show and Chris Felica is moving over to Fox. They offered him three times more than he's making at ESPN. He's got to take that. I mean, they, they recognize the value of his expertise, which people like to hear about what these guys think about betting. I mean, he talks about the bets on these things, and the Fox is jumping on him. He's going to be on their 12 o'clock show every week. So, uh, uh, But the guy, guy's getting paid what they're worth is the whole thing with the Todd Munkin situation where you have a guy that is the top of the – top of the food chain. He's one of the highest paid assistant coaches in the, in college football. Uh, but the NFL market, it's a much bigger market. Now, maybe when that hundred million dollars check starts coming in, then they can get everybody up to that level. And the NFL can't, I won't say poach. Because, yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, you're right. And uh, it's just the NFL just, I mean, you're talking about 
penthouse and we're in a nice house, but NFL <laughs> money is just incredible. We're on the 10th floor. That's good. We mentioned Kirk Kirk Street. I mean, you know, he's right. He's won all these Emmy awards and everything, but, and, and ESPN really values him, but hey, uh, he got on that Thursday night deal. He makes about three times what he makes on ESPN. Just doing the Thursday night game, so uh, wow. more power to him. You had mentioned Musburger. I, I would exchange emails with him probably two years ago. I, I had an idea for an oral history of a game that didn't deserve an oral history, and he on the SEC Network with Jesse Palmer did the 2015 <laughs> Georgia Missouri game that Georgia won nine to six, and. I wanted to do an oral history of that game that, you know, nothing actually happened. He didn't remember the game at all. <laughs> well, I can say a lot of us have forgotten that game. I mean, man. That was the whole point of the story, though, is like, what the next week about we played, the game nothing happened? Next week we went to overtime with uh, Georgia Southern, didn't we? I mean, same kind of situation. This couldn't score, but uh, all right. So uh, what else so, are we going to talk about? Well, we, so we won't know about Todd Monkey for a while. And, uh, I don't want folks to freak out about it, but it, it is what it is. Uh, I, I do want to mention the uh, our, our friends at Prime Shrimp is one of our uh, best sponsors we have out there. Prime Shrimp is a it's a situation where this is a company down in New Orleans, and we were talking about New Orleans earlier, that makes great uh, equipment for processing seafood. Now they process shrimp as one of the you know some of the equipment they make processes shrimp. The retail version of that, because you don't want to need to spend you know ten million dollars buying you know a fish uh, gutter and uh, fillet machine, but what if you want to buy shrimp? They make this fantastic shrimp where it's uh, uh, deveined, peeled, and seasoned. And they have all these different seasonings you can see on the screen there: the uh, signature uh, Cajun season, the uh, French Quarter Alfredo, the barbecue shrimp. If you've ever been to New Orleans, had barbecue shrimp down there; it's fantastic or just plain shrimp, you buy the uh, shrimp from them. It comes frozen in a uh, insulated box with dry ice or one of the freezer packs or something like that. You take it out, you put it in your freezer. Then when you're ready for shrimp, you boil some water, you drop in one of the clear plastic bags into it, flip it over once or twice. Four minutes later, your shrimp is ready to go. Cut open the bag. It's perfectly seasoned, perfectly cooked, and it tastes phenomenal. I've tried it. I've tried pretty much, pretty sure I've gotten all the flavors. Uh, if you want to make um, uh, shrimp and grits, it's the easiest thing in the world. If you want to make uh, uh, shrimp tacos, you just want to make shrimp cocktail, try our friends at Prime Shrimp. Use promo code UGA Sports to get 20% off from that. Also, I want to mention our friends at Academia Brewing Company. They make great food and great beer. I was at a um, uh, a brewery on Friday night to celebrate my sister-in-law's birthday. They had no food there. There was a food truck outside, uh, decent food truck, but it wasn't like going to Academia Brewing Company where you can get the wings and the pizzas and the salmon and the steak and the, uh, uh, the, the beer and biscuit brunch, all the fantastic stuff they have at Academia Brewing Company. If they didn't have beer out there, I would tell people to go to Academia and just eat. It's a great restaurant, you know, their triple out of sandwich. Um, Again, the best scallops I've ever had in my life were out there. Uh, but they do have fantastic beers. These are award-winning beers. People love these beers, and you can go buy them in the store there. You can try a flight where you get you know, little, uh, four different ones, try the one you like. Um, they have new stuff all the time. So if you've been in, or if you haven't been in a couple weeks, hell, sometimes a couple days, if you go back out there, you're going to see new stuff on the food menu and you're going to see a ton of new beer that's constantly changing. You'll never eat in the same or drink the same menu twice. So hit up our friends at Academia Brewing Company and they will take great care of you. And they're about to be the staple of that side of town because there's a lot of like revamping and rezoning and stuff happening at the mall area. And so uh, they're about to be prime location for everybody out there. True. Uh, Coach, we're talking about the possibility of Todd Munkin leaving uh, and Kirby Smart on I think it was this past last Monday was actually teasing Todd Munkin about uh, he he had this there's this big meeting and he's speaking to folks uh, a bunch of big donors and it's basically a spring preview and he said look we have the opportunity to do something that no uh, nobody else has done we could win back to back championships with the same staff 
And he looks over at Todd Monk and is like, the pressure's on you, Todd. And everybody dies laughing, you know. And Kirby just, you know, he understands that guys got to look for jobs and stuff like that. But the talk of the message board at UGASports.com, aside from Todd Monk, has been about the Alabama uh, changing its offensive and defensive coordinators. Uh, there's some very highly publicized guys who interviewed for the job and either didn't get it or turned it down. You never know. I go back to what was it was Eddie Grand who came to Georgia and said, oh, yeah, I turned Kirby down to be the offensive coordinator when he wasn't even offered the job. So different sides of the story are going to – or different sides of the uh, equation are going to tell different stories. But it looks like uh, Nick Saban, who just signed the number one recruiting class in the nation, uh, has a couple decent offensive and def uh, defensive coordinators. What can you tell us about them? I'm sure you've got an opinion there. Yeah, well, first of all, Tommy Rees uh, was a quarterback at Notre Dame and uh, played there and then joined the staff and kind of worked his way up from a quarterback coach to actually being an offensive coordinator. And uh, last year, Coach Kelly tried to take him to uh, LSU with him, but didn't work out. Freeman kept him there uh, on the staff. Uh, you know, he's a – you know, like most quarterbacks, he, he knows the game and he, uh, you know, does a good job using formations. Uh, we've seen uh, the way that uh, Notre Dame tried to attack us the both times we played them. Uh, one year, I don't think he was actually calling the plays. I think Chip Long was. But okay, I think the one thing that he will uh, bring is maybe a little bit more, which if you look at, at uh, Alabama the last four or five years, more of a drop-back team that uh, pass-first conscious. I think they'll be maybe a little bit more 12 to tight end. Uh, they don't have the, as many great wide receivers as they've had. And I think you'll see uh, a little bit more emphasis on the running game. Uh, that's just looking at the way Notre Dame plays. But uh, the one thing that Nick uh, is absolutely adamant about is you have to run his system and learn how to call the plays accordingly based on your philosophy and his, but you got to call the numbering system like he has. And he's lost his best guy to teach him that because Alex Mortensen, Chris Mortensen's son, has been an analyst there for four or five years and has been working directly with the quarterbacks, kind of like Buster Faulkner did here. And he's going to be the offensive coordinator at uh, UAB along with Eddie Gordon from our staff, who's an offensive line coach. And uh, he was a guy that was kind of a conduit for any coach coming in, whether it was Lane Kiffin, Sark, Loxley, uh, and now uh, O'Brien, and, and teaching them that system so they could call the plays the way they wanted to, but call them what they called them. And he's not gone, so I, he's going to have to – get somebody else to do it. I'm sure he, he's got plenty of people that can do that. But uh, Alex, no idea that, that, was, that guy was there. See, this Alex, is why we have Coach on. <laughs> Alex knew the knew it in and out. Yeah. And I don't think it's that hard for a coach to uh, – I mean, I had to do that twice in my career where, uh, you know, I knew how I wanted my system, but I had to change the to – the, it's a lot easier for a coach to learn the system than it is – it's make all the players learn the numbers and everything over. So uh, it, it's not that big a deal, but uh, it, it requires some study, and that's for sure. Like if you're used to calling this play a name and he calls it a number or you're used to having the, the, the – you know, it's just you got to rethink and relearn it a little bit. As far as the defense, uh, I think he just looked out there and uh, it, it's kind of like uh, – you know, a baby with a pacifier from the standpoint. I think Coach Steele's an outstanding coach. He's had a lot of success. He did really well at Auburn there when they were struggling on offense. Uh, he went into a tough situation in Miami last year. They didn't really have a lot of players, really. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny Saturday watching uh, Tyreek Stevenson playing in the uh, in the uh, Senior Bowl. You know, a guy that transferred from here. But, but – you know, you got a guy that knows your MO. He's been in the meeting with you here. He knows how to implement your system. And you're looking at bringing in a new offensive guy and getting him going. You know, it's a little bit more comfort knowing that you're not going to have to worry quite as much about the defensive guy adjusting. And 
I can guarantee you one thing. They won't have 15 penalties like they did against Tennessee or 17 like they had against somebody with a steal over there. They, they'll, they'll have good alignment. They'll know what to do. And, uh, you know, he, I think Golding certainly is a good coach, but had a tendency to be – they made a lot of mistakes with, their, with them. And maybe that was because of other coaches. But uh, uh, the bottom line, I think you can see more Alabama 2015 than you'll see Alabama 2023. Comedy in it. The faction at Auburn that wanted to hire Kevin Steele as head coach when they hired Brian Harson. Now that same group of people have to look at him as oh, Alabama's defensive coordinator. That. And then the other thing is that Tommy Reese, when he was born, Nick Saban had had 11 coaching jobs up to that point, including having been a college head coach at Toledo in 1990. Reese was born yeah. in 92. That's a good point. But, uh, you know, Nick did this one time before when he first got there, he hired Major Applewhite from uh, Syracuse, who was a Texas quarterback. And he was a young coordinator and he came in there. And uh, regardless of, of why it happened or what, it just, you know, that was his first year. And, you know, Major ended up not being there the second year. But uh, I think you could have had Newt Rockney in there, it would have been hard. The first year with all the, I mean, they lost to Louisiana Monroe that year, so they had some issues. But uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be. Uh, Nick's gonna, gonna make you. You know, Nick's the boss, and you're gonna have to produce. That's for sure. But uh, I think it's a good chance for this guy, career-wise. I mean, everything he's done's at Notre Dame. And uh, it's like a guy told me when I first started coaching, he said, hey, you're becoming part of the woodwork here. You played here. You coached here. He said, you got to get out and, and do something on your own. And then if you want to, you get, that helps you get a better chance of maybe coming back someday. And, you know, everybody thinks Freeman's going to do great at Notre Dame. But, you know, he didn't get off to really a great start this year. I mean, you, you know, they, they did win the bowl game against South Carolina and all that. But, uh, I mean, they lost to my boys at Marshall which you can't do at Notre Dame. Great win for Notre for Marshall. But uh, so I think he's looking at, you know, financially big jump up for him. I think he's making $2 million there. But I think it's more career move. Go with uh, Alabama, come in the SEC, make a niche there, and you never know what will happen. Dane, when was uh, Kevin Steele born? Yeah, um, a, a lot earlier than, than I'm just digging the disparity between you got a guy who's I'll call him by the years who's young and then Steele's a bit older. He's 64, 64. Uh, born in 58. Uh, I remember that. Have you ever seen that video of that uh, green guy, that defensive end, and uh, the Panthers grabbing him on the sideline? That was unbelievable. Uh, look it up on Twitter. I mean, uh, I mean, I'd have been afraid of, of Green too, but I guess they, he wasn't too happy with what Steele called or something. But he's got him in a death lock over there. We should probably also mention that on that Alabama offensive coaching staff is still tight ends coach, former Georgia back, uh, Georgia quarterback Joe Cox. Yeah, they got Joe, and they got that uh, uh, Gillespie guy. I think running back coach and. Uh, they brought in uh, the coach from uh, Kentucky last year as the O-line coach. And uh, we'll just have to see. Uh, it's still, you know, he lost his uh, secondary coach, one of them, to uh, went out with primetime out to Colorado. He's going to be the coordinator. He's still got uh, the guy that used to coach at, uh, with Bus Champ at South Carolina, coaching the corner. So, uh, and then uh, – you know, they got a good staff over there, but somebody said that Georgia had won the last two national championships. So <laughs> I think I we've know. said that before. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that happened. Uh, speaking of winning, I want our friends at uh, Athens Ford to be our next uh, person up when we talk, when we thank our sponsors. Athens Ford, you are, there's nobody happier that Georgia's won two titles than the folks at uh, than Brian and the folks at uh, Athens Ford. They're huge Georgia fans. They do a lot for these Athens community. Uh, we mention them all the time as you know some of the charitable work, work they do. But these are people who live in this town. They are live in the surrounding areas, and they love their Georgia Bulldogs. It's not, hey, we're in Athens, so we have to root for them. No, these guys and the girls over there are absolute diehard fans. I, I remember going over there last year. 
I handy out uh, a little bit of confetti to the, uh, the folks over there and they were thrilled and uh, brought back some of the swag from Indianapolis and they were just ecstatic because they are giant fans. A lot of them actually went to the game and I'm sure there are a bunch of them out in LA this year. So they root for Georgia. They tried, you know, the Ford is the official vehicle of the Georgia Bulldogs. So if you need a vehicle, swing by Athens Ford. They will take care of you as if you were Kirby Smart. They will take care of you as if you were uh, Todd Munkin and they're trying to keep trying to get you to stay. They, it's great customer service. Every time you look on Friday, they have their five-star reviews. If you go to um, uh, the, the rating services, I think it's called My Seller or something like that, uh, Athens Ford is always at the top because they do such great customer service. So if you were looking for a new or pre-owned vehicle or if you just need service on your current vehicle done, check out Athens Ford. They will make it a great experience and you will feel like a national champion if you go there. I also want to mention a special deal from our friends at the Dead Soxy. They have a buy one, get one free deal going on right now. So right now on the screen there, for those uh, who are watching, if you're just listening to the podcast, they have great red and black socks, great concepts, great uh, designs. There's a buy one, get one free deal using promo code UGA Sports. If you buy the, the, the packet that has like, two, four, six, eight of them, and you put another uh, bundle in there, you'll get the cheaper bundle at uh, uh, half off. If you do, if you buy one set of socks, you'll get a second pair of free. So they have a great deal going on at deadsoxy.com. You need to check them out. Uh, they want to get into the Georgia NIL area. They're doing an NIL deal with Ole Miss right now. Um, but they, it's, you know, you have to jump through all the hoops where you get uh, through the Collegiate Licensing Corporation and you have to get approval from the school and stuff like that. It is a long, tedious process, but they want to do this for the schools. You know, they have uh, different colored socks for all the different schools out there. So check out our friend Dead Soxy. Check out the buy one, get one free offer right now. It's still cold outside. It's not spring yet. Get the long socks, keep your feet warm and get something that's super, super comfortable. We have a few questions over at the dog fan. If we want to wrap the show with that, let's, uh, let's start with lump dog says as Georgia and its coaches turn their attention to Dylan Riola, how does the conversation change with a player like uh, Puglisi? Is that how you said that Roddy? Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go over this first thing, but I do not know how to say Puglisi. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I, I gave it my, my good go at it. The best thing you do is just level with any recruit and say, look, you know, you're going to have competition here. Uh, you know, our quarterback room, we're not taking a quarterback this year. Uh, we're, we're, we're probably going to take two next year and uh, we're going to try to get the best ones. And uh, somebody's going to be the quarterback here. And, you know, if you want to compete, like everybody else, that's just the way it is. We're going to look for the best guys, and uh, we really like you. We wouldn't be going after if we didn't. So uh, I think maybe the fans and the people out there, not, not necessarily people on our side, I think just people in general seem to think that these kids are worried more about these other players than maybe the guys are because I always used to tell a guy, I said, look, if you're worried about another player that's never played here, uh, then I'm not sure that you're the kind of guy we want. You know, hey, you got you're going to have competition here, and uh, I mean, I wouldn't be quite that blunt till after. I mean, you just you got to be. Yeah. <laughs> after he signed, that's what you're going to say. You don't talk him out of it all the way just for that, but say, look, you got to relish the competition, and uh, just like I told David Green coming in here, and uh, my son Todd recruited him. I said, David, you know, somebody's going to be the quarterback here, and. Uh, you can't worry about anything except what you can control and you got a chance. Uh, I'm telling you as the coach, you're the guy I want, but we're going to bring in some other guys too. And that's just, you, if uh, somebody's going to be the, be the guy and you, you got to take that challenge. So uh, I think you can't get too worried about losing a guy at the expense of expense of getting supposedly the best guys out there which that's what everybody seems to think that uh, that this Rayola guy is the is the best guy coming in. But you know, he's probably going to be a little different now. He's going to be going to his third school in four years now. He's transferring again, so uh, I guess he didn't things didn't weren't quite as good as he hoped when he moved out to 
Arizona, so he's playing in another school, Arizona, this year. So he might not be able to play the first four games because he's transferring. So, uh, but he's definitely a heck of a player. I told you, I saw him here on campus. Uh, got, I didn't get to see the other kid from up in Connecticut, but uh, I've watched tape. He got a big arm, a huge arm. So uh, they both would be great to have here. You tell Ryan, uh, you might have two quarterbacks transfer in the spring. Whoever doesn't win the job, I'm not expect one at least, but you could have two. And all of a sudden, it's like, look, we're, we're super thin, and we passed over another quarterback who wanted to commit, who's really highly ranked, Ryan, because we wanted you instead. So we're going to be thin. I mean, you go back a couple of years ago when <laughs> Georgia had what four quarterbacks on it on the site, and they went with the guy who was a former walk-on. So I think if Ryan if Ryan wants to compete. I'm, I, he's not scared of Dylan. Dylan's not scared of him. So I think you can get them both. A trio of questions from Red and Black in the day. He says, let's say a small school called and wanted you to build a football program from scratch. What kind of offense scheme would you choose and what kind of defensive scheme would you choose? I have no idea, Coach. Come on. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it might be, but what? who you had to beat. Uh, who, who, you know, what? what's it going to take to beat the best teams in the league? Uh so, from my standpoint, today's football, you know, you run a heavy burden of uh, RPOs and uh, try to get some really good skill guys early on and then start building some depth in your O-line where you can run the ball better. But that, that helps you overall. And then defense, uh, a lot of pressure because you, you just can't uh, physically match up to these teams when you're just a young team. So, a lot of stuff where you run some zone blitzes and some – Different types of uh, pressures would be what I would use. Yeah, I'm so. like I'm like 14 personnel. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, second question from him. It says, when I was a kid, teams like Texas and Oklahoma, USC, Nebraska, Penn State, they ruled the football world. What, in your opinion, has been the main factor essentially in relegating the national championship to schools located in the contiguous five-state region of the South? When did the shift start? And do you think a 12-team playoff reinforces that Southern football dominance, or do other regions get back in? Yeah, I think the Internet certainly has helped uh, – uh, you know, where all these schools just could count on Penn State getting everybody in the East, New Jersey, where it was. Now teams are going in there just raiding them. Same thing in California. Uh, you look at the guys we got off our championship team from California. You go, you go the same thing, Texas. Uh, people going into Texas just going crazy, getting players out of there. Uh, but you don't see a lot of the guys – and the really good schools leaving. I mean, we usually get the best players in Georgia. We'll lose a few. Uh, uh, you know, LSU gets the best players there. Alabama gets the best players. That's why you see same thing with Clemson, although South Carolina's got some this year. But I think that that in itself has made it easier. Uh, people are going into those those places and getting them, and the ones that are winning, they're not leaving that area. And what was the other part? Um, do you think the playoff is going to – I think the playoff is great for us just because uh, you're going to get – you don't have to win every game or lose just one to get into it. I think you can – you know, the fact that our league's going to be so good with a nine-team schedule and you're going to have strength of schedule is going to be good and you're going to have four, five, or six teams from the SEC in it if you, if you go by the best 12 in the country. So I, I think it's good for us. And then his final question, it says, as an NC, NC State alum, and then you coached in that state for a while, what uh, has served to prohibit teams in North Carolina from competing in the upper echelon of college football? If the right efforts were applied, which of those North Carolina programs would be the most successful in that state? Yeah, you just look at – I mean, I don't even know for sure. I think they got 22 four-year schools playing football in that state. And uh, that's a lot of football players that need to be uh, recruited to make up those teams. So you don't get many walk-ons. They got a chance to get a full scholarship at Catawba or uh, Lenore Ryan or Elon or wherever it might be. And then uh, you just haven't had a real uh, steadying uh, deal where you've had the same coach at any of these schools year in and year out. I guess the guy Doran is starting to be at, at NC State where he's been there a long time. Mac Brown's back for the second. Uh, Cutlet 
Cutcliffe has left Duke. That guy at Wake Forest is doing better. But you knock each other off a little bit. And then you're looking at when all these schools were good back in the 90s, Florida State was dominant in the ACC. Uh, now the same thing's true. And you got Clemson on this run. So those are the ones that are just keeping you from uh, from taking over there in the, in the ACC. And which one of the four would be uh, – I don't know. Carolina State should be the two because you got two private schools in Wake Forest and Duke. They just don't have quite as many numbers there. Uh, guys have a harder time getting in school there. And I don't want us to wrap the show before I mention a guy from South Carolina, A.J. Green retiring from football in the NFL. For my money, the most talented receiver to ever play at Georgia. I mean, the stuff that he could do with the ball is just insane. Yeah, I, re I remember when Mike Bobo was talking about recruiting AJ and about how good he was. And uh, I think I, I'm not sure when he, what year it was when he was up here at camp. But, uh, you know, he's just one of those guys that anybody's going to pick out and uh, had a tremendous career and uh, more power to him. He, he uh, never could get with the right team at the right time. You know, he's with the Bengals and now the Bengals are winning. And, uh, you know, he went to the Cardinals and the uh, Cardinals had the quarterback get hurt. So, uh, but AJ right up there was one of the best guys to ever play and wear the red and black. Uh, he made me look so good. <laughs> he made me look so good. I was a mediocre photographer, but he'd make these amazing one-handed crazy catches and I'd get a decent I, well, I was getting ready for what I was going to make you look so good. Oh, you're talking about as a photographer. Oh, no, as a photographer. I mean, I just same with David Pollock. I mean, just uh, is he a makeup artist or what? No, I just, hey, here's the thing. So you're in the end zone, and you know Georgia's uh, three. You know, uh, got about to run a play. You're not sure exactly what's going to happen. Then all of a sudden, you'd see some idiot. They're going one on one with AJ Green. <laughs> okay, they could be handing it off. You know, Aaron Murray could be handing off somebody. Nope, doesn't matter. I see one on one. I know everybody else on the field sees it too, but you, you're as a photographer, you're trying to figure out where the ball is going to go so you can get that shot. You know, the guy breaking through the middle, you know, running the ball, pass, whatever, one-on-one. -on -one. I'd focus on him, and sure enough, all of a sudden you see him leap up and you just lay on the hammer and bang, bang, bang. Sure enough, here's the ball in his hands. And how'd you get that? I'm like, single coverage. <laughs> I mean, we always talk He's about the that receiver, catch. You know, one-on-one, -on -one. come on, this is easy. We talk about that catch he had at Colorado. When I've talked to his teammates I mean, at Georgia, they'll say that that barely cracks the top ten of what they, he did in practice. Yeah, he and Pickens just highlight them. If he got all those catches they made in practice, unbelievable. Yeah. Pickens good. No Show Marino. Shout out to No Show. <laughs> that, that game at Colorado has got to go down as one of the worst losses in history, along with me losing to Southern Miss the first game I coached here. I mean. I still can't believe they lost to Colorado out there. That was unreal. Somebody put a great question on the board the other day at the dog event at UGSports.com. He said, if you were in complete control of the uh, schedule, which team would you pick Georgia to play and where would you have them play? You know, and I'm like, Colorado, I want that game back. <laughs> you know, maybe play it at uh, – uh, West Point or something like that, you know, it's a, a cool stadium that you can see. But I'm like that Colorado game. How the hell? Hey, we getting ready to play that SEC schedule where you're playing nine games. I want to play Elon, Lenore, Ryan, Ball <laughs> <laughs> State. They got a good start next year with Ball State and Tennessee Martin ready to yeah. go. And UAB, but I mean UAB is going to be tough over there with uh, Trent Dilfer, but. You know, everybody just got to realize the, the toll it takes on your team playing these SEC games. Or just look at us, the physicality that we had against Mississippi State and, and Kentucky, two teams we beat, but just the physical part of those games. Uh, well, uh, if you look at, at the end of the year, you know, Alabama and Ohio State want to bitch about their guys who got hurt and they're out of the game and stuff like that. I'm like, how many Georgia guys were out of the game by the end of the season? Did, was Nolan Smith playing in that? No. You know, I mean, you had Lad McConkey, who was beat all to hell. The Jamari Sawyer, who played so well this year in the NFL, what he missed the last four games of last year? Come on. So Ron Corson. Yeah, Ron Corson is the MVP in the last two years. I saw that stat, <laughs> which is incredible. I, I guess it's right. It showed Jamari Sawyer and and uh and Roderick Jones. You gonna let me finish this? I, you were looking at the name. I'm trying to help you out, old man. Yeah. 
Okay. Salyer and Jones played for two years at left tackle. Neither one of them gave up a sack. Damn. A lot of that's a lot of that's technique and playing and all, a lot of it's scheme and all, but a lot helps of have a mobile quarterback too that can help us get back too. I mean, mm-hmm. that guy jumping around helps you because I've seen a couple no hitters by both of them where the guy ran around him and he just made but but the job that Salyer did on Hutchinson in that game. First, you know, guy drafted what second or third. I mean, he wore his ass out the whole game. I mean, the guy made understand the draft. One with a top pick drop. He made one play on a little screen pass, and that was it. But Salyer, but he just, I mean, Kirby got on him all week. You know, hey, he wasn't gonna be able to block him and all that. I mean, that's a great job by Kirby getting him ready. He was ready. He was ready for in warmups. But uh, I remember Kirby telling me though about. After he went out there and saw Michigan and warm ups, he felt pretty good. I, I did too. <laughs> I looked out there I'm like those guys are going to get killed. Not quite TCU good, but still good. No, no, no. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you you got to be careful in those warm ups. I used to tell our team uh, back when I was coaching, we were playing against Miami. I said, "Do not look at them." And we were good. I said, "Do not even look at them down there in warm ups." Wait till we get in the game. It's going to be hard enough uh, trying to block, block Jerome Brown without watching him destroy everybody in warmups. Yeah, I've, I've told the story about in Kirby's first year, you know, going to the old the old Miss game and thinking that their wide receivers were tight ends because they were just so much bigger than everybody on the field. But uh, I can go back to a couple Alabama games, especially uh, in Athens and home. Derrick Henry in the rain. Oh, no, uh, yeah, go back to like Derrick Henry's uh, real quick. We were talking about uh, Ryan Puglisi coming to Georgia. Uh, go back to Derek Henry's signing class. Uh, it was him, Alvin Kamara, Tyron Jones, and Al T. Tenpenny, four running backs in that class. And every one of them thought they could be the guy. So, uh, you know, Ryan could do that. But before both of those games, Coach, I was thinking, oh, Georgia's got a chance. You know, hey, they're bringing out, they're bringing out the black jerseys for this game. It's Georgia's, Georgia's going to go toe-to-toe with them. And then you looked, and it looked like a high school team playing, you know, a college team or a college team playing a pro team. That first now, half, that's how Georgia looks against everybody. And it's that not first easy. half was bad. I just, but, uh, hey, uh, Kirby recruited – was going right against Bobo for uh, uh, Alvin Kamara. And, uh, and I think uh, – Pruitt was the one that signed Derrick Henry for Alabama. So good job for both of them. Yeah. Hey, that's guy's been around a long time. Well, I wish we could be around a long time, but that's all the only amount of time we have for this week's show. We will be back next Tuesday. Hopefully I can be back over at uh, classic city eats and uh, in Watkinsville uh, kind of missing those folks. Haven't had been able to be over there for a while. Uh, I want to make one quick note for all the football fans out there, which we talk about all these players, but, Georgia Bulldogs today start back on the going f- as far as the coaches coming back for a couple days off, which they deserve. Really, be the first day that the that the ten coaches that have all been on the road recruiting and everything be the first time for some of them to see some of these freshmen uh, doing some of the off season work that they do. You know, they do conditioning and uh, but the next two months really is huge on uh, strength development. Uh, learning your assignments, all that. And this is the way you build up for spring practice. So uh, uh, these guys, those freshmen a little tight right now, thinking about 4.15 today because finally they, their position coach is going to see them out there. <laughs> a little nervous. And again, it's got to be like Christmas Day for those coaches. Like, hey, let's see what we got. Let's open the presents. Yeah, as long as, it's, as, long as you don't get some uh, coal. <laughs> well, hey, with coal now, you got the transfer portal. You just – just shovel him on out the door there. It's like, hey, you, right. you can play somewhere else. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. Uh, tune in next Tuesday at noon. We'll see you then.